Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch us live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. This is episode 298. Yes, folks, next week's episode will be my 300th. And I've got the scars, the tears, the strain, the frustration to show as a 300-episode podcaster. That is a special breed of, I don't know what you can call it, (laughs) (laughs) like pain and suffering, I would imagine. Um, I'm waffling now. I'm going to let, I've got a small panel here, hardcore, but they're prepared to take on the task of making some interesting comment about the rubbish stories that I select. We're going to start off with Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch, and I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. And I have a a WordPress uh, consulting and development business called WP Fangirl, because I am. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And my friend, John Locke, would you like to introduce yourself, John? Sure thing. My name's John Locke, and uh, I do SEO for manufacturing and industrial companies. Certainly do. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance service development company with a speciality in WordPress membership and learning management systems. And before we delve into the stories, I want to talk about one of my sponsors, one of my lovely sponsors, the generous sponsors that keep this show going, and that's Kinsta Hosting. And what can I say about Kinsta? They're just fantastic folks. Small enough to still care, big enough to have all the technology that you require from your WordPress hosting provider, Um, staging sites, superb interface, data, you name it, they've got it at very reasonable prices, very reasonable. And I host the WP Tonic website with them and some of my clients' websites with them. And I'm always asking my other clients, can we move to Kinsta, please, please, please? And sometimes they say no which is upsetting so if that's really interesting go to the wp tonic website um you'll find um all links to the kinster site if you use one of those links they are affiliate and they really help the show financially and also they tell kinster that there are people listening to my support of kinster and buying their product if you're a developer client cannot recommend them more now let's get straight into the show uh first story uh, the first release of WordPress turns 15 years old. God, it's like it's a teenager now. God help us. Oh well, it's been it's been a teenager for a couple of years, but uh, yes, it's it's um, <clears throat> apparently we've had a couple of of uh, tech birthdays this year. Uh, LinkedIn and um, I think it was 4chan or something like that. Um, but somebody uh, started a meme for for LinkedIn about when I was 15. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know how much I was 15. That was kind of a rough year. I mean, let's see. I moved out of my mother's house and in with my father. I lost my virginity. I, <laughs> you know, it's a little uh, bit too personal, I hope, frankly, that, that WordPress has a less tumultuous 15th year that, than... Uh, uh, I'm still waiting uh, to lose my virginity. No, I've only given uh, uh, Then I did, and uh, um, you know, we had a party for my meetup, and it was not huge because it was Memorial Day weekend, and and yeah. people had some other commitments. But we had like four or five new people who were who were there, and who really had like had no idea that there was a an actual WordPress community. I mean, they'd been you know doing some development work and. Uh, so that was just uh, th- that part was really nice, and uh, we collectively fixed the noisy chairs in the uh, venue that that we usually uh, uh, meet in by um, taking dozens of little felt uh, sticky things and putting them on the bottom of the chairs. Oh, you can tell it's a WordPress group, can't they? They can even adapt the furniture. Um, it's quite amazing that a bit of software can last for 15 years. But I don't know how long Joomla and Drupal have been around, but it, you know, it's quite interesting that some of these technology platforms, open source 
I've had a long life, haven't I, John? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, but but uh, how long has uh, like .NET or something like that been around? You know, a while. Did you have to swear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, it's definitely outlasted something like Flash or Cold. Did you swear it even more, John? Cold Fusion. Oh my God! <laughs> and you were worried about me, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 15 years seems like a long time, especially you know in in internet terms. And yet, I was thinking, you know, so how old is Microsoft Word again? I, I started using Microsoft Word in 1990 ish. Um, do, you, do you know Cold Fusion is still going? Don't you? People still, yeah, I still come across sites that are yeah, scary. Yeah. Well, it's under the beloved control of Adobe, isn't it? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they that's, all, <laughs> that's all <So>, hot people. <laughs> just looked it up. Uh, Drupal. Well, the Drupal Association, I should say, mm-hmm. has been around for eight years, but the parent company, uh, Acquia, yeah. it's been around for 11. Oh, so. they, these are nothing compared to... I, I am pretty sure Drupal existed before WordPress. Yeah, I do, but right? yeah, as a, yeah as it doesn't seem... Or, right. Oh, but wait, as, here it says, okay, our history, Drupal.org, Drupal started more than 15 years ago. So there oh, you well, there you go. Yeah. So google lies. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Google may be tracking some of the wrong things. Uh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go down there. I've ranted about Google enough for the past couple of weeks. I'm leaving off that. Or they, yeah. no, nobody is going to be able to find anything about me. Uh, um, right, let's go. I think, what else can you say? It's a great achievement, folks. And um, I think the next couple of years are going to be really very interesting for WordPress. They're going to be interesting times. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how things go. Would you like to um, describe the second story, John? Um, rep- well, I can't even pronounce it this morning. Can you go into it then, John? Yeah, I, and I think I'm saying this right, but uh, the second one uh, is, uh, so there's this guy, Nathan Alate. Uh, he's out of Houston. He, I think he's like the director of marketing for Houston Methodist, but he has a kind of a, uh, a side business on top of that. He's like an entrepreneur. He, you know, teaches people about freelancing and he's got uh, a whole course and around. Uh, and he's coming on the show, John. And he's a good designer. He's actually like a quite amazing designer. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's been, you know, hitting YouTube uh, hard for the last year or so. And uh, so he had this video called reciprocate to your, um, you know, followers. So I, I guess, he, you know, is basically just uh, relating a story of um, he might have been at some conference or something and ran into somebody and, you know. They well, somebody, kinda, somebody rubbed him up, didn't they? Yeah, well, yeah, I know. That's happened to me before too, but, you know. Um, it, basically, they blew him off. They said they weren't busy and, uh, you know, they did but he had just bought like a uh, product of theirs that he didn't really need. He just wanted to show support and, you know, some of the, the people who were kind of, you know, whatever next level up or whatever in popularity, they unsubscribed from his list. And he's just like, you know, do the people even check, you know, when they unsubscribe from your deal, um, if you were, if you bought one of their products and, and that's, I think where this came from and, and I can tell you personally, my, you know, any success, any limited success that I've had so far has been from, you know, responding to comments, whether it's on, you know, social media or YouTube or in my blog comments or email. And I, I find it, it's like really weird. And I, I mentioned this to Sally the other day um, on, on uh, like a forum, but like a lot of the, uh, kind of more popular like blogs that I see in the WordPress space, like people don't have comments anymore enabled. Some people do, but a lot of people are, I've noticed are like turning them off and it's like weird to me. Here's what I find weird about this. Like Nathan Alate is not like a nobody. He's got, you know, a pretty robust following on YouTube. He's got an email subscriber list. He's got a, you know, a blog following. He's got his own community. It doesn't make sense for me for people to get this like big league attitude, like they're, 
you know, hey, we, you know, you're coming here to see us and, and, you know, we're the big stars and, you know, you're just the small fry. When the, all these other people are like also, you know, maybe they have a little bit less influence, but they're also, you know, people with their own communities. And it's just weird to me. I don't know why people, you know, do this and, and, and kind of, you know, I don't know. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, oh, I, I didn't watch the video, of course, but okay. I, I read no, the attached I read the attached article, which which basically talks about you know he went through this this reconsent thing, and you know various people unsubscribe, but what he noticed was that one of the people who unsubscribed was a you know quote influencer who like. 10 minutes later or an hour later or something sent it, a, 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 you know, a, a like buy my expensive stuff email. And, and he was kind of like, well, wait, you know, if you're not going to follow me, why should I follow you? And it's sort of like, well, he, you know, it seems there are some, th some different kinds of, of things here because, um, you know, I, I don't expect everybody that I follow to, you know, join my mailing list or, or buy my stuff or, or something. And I get, you know, I mean, of course I get emails from, you know, the grocery store and, and other things with, with coupons. And yeah, I don't necessarily expect to be followed back by, by those people. But um, I think, you know, maybe a, a little sensitivity. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I have various friends who write novels and I generally buy their novels and actually like buy them instead of uh, getting them from the, from the library, you know, to, show support it does you know i don't necessarily pay attention to every word they say and i don't necessarily expect them to uh you know follow my blog or, or whatever because that's not their area of interest and it's not what we connect over but if somebody leaves a comment on a blog or emails me with something that isn't just a uh you know uh, share my link on your site uh, pitch, which I usually don't bother responding to. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I do respond to it. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for a site that gets lo lots and lots of, of blog comments, the uh, <coughs> official BNI uh, podcast. And, you know, uh, Ivan Meissner, the founder of, of BNI, reads every single comment and responds to quite a few of them. Uh, you know, not always one off, but sometimes we'll, we'll kind of gather them up and create a new show based on, on some questions people have asked and uh, so on. And uh, so I think there is, you know, it, it, that it, you need to have some ability to respond to the stuff that is actually personal. Uh, and uh, direct, you know, you don't need to uh, buy every product somebody offers if it's really not appropriate for you. And, and, you know, you don't necessarily need to retweet every tweet or, or uh, like every, everything. But, um, you know, if, if somebody uh, asks you a, a personal question, you know, I, usually get responses. I don't expect an instantaneous response from someone I know is very popular and, and, and busy. Um, but I always appreciate it. Uh, you know, if, if a person I follow that I know is more famous than me does respond and that builds up the kind of connection uh, that creates loyalty. And so, yeah, you know, if, if people are really not interested in not paying attention, you want them to unsubscribe from your list because if your list is, is you know, bigger than mine, you're, you're paying pretty much per subscriber. So, you know, if, if the subscribers are not people who buy or interact or, or anything, you probably don't actually want them on your on your list. But at, this, at the same time, you know, to try to have uh, some sensitivity about... Uh, you know, treating people well uh, if they have purchased from you or supported you in 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 some way, because otherwise you're not going to, you know, they're not going to continue to support you. I'm going to say like two, uh, like just a couple sentences, really quick. I'm going to kick it over to Jonathan. I've had this, you know, 99% of the people that I've met in you know web design and marketing and WordPress and all the rest of that have been really cool. You know, even people who are, you know, perceived as big and whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it's just like occasionally like you you run into to instances where you think you're kind of developing like a bond with somebody and, um, 
you know what I mean? Like you, you follow them, you comment on their stuff, like you're on their radar. You, you kind of like, you know, perceive them as like being cool. And, you know, just occasionally, like if for whatever reason, people will do something to like go out of your, their way to make you feel very intentionally, like, you know, like they're bigger than you or, you know, they're better than you. And that kind of behavior just turns me off, man, completely. and just makes me not care at all. And, you know, I don't know. So, you know, it happens occasionally. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's completely intentional. So, uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts? I had really mixed um, feelings uh, about what he was saying because I, I, I could tell it was reasonably heartfelt. I did actually watch the video. Surprise, surprise, Ali. Uh, um, I, I could tell. I could tell it was heartfelt um, um, about the actual bit that started his post and his video. Um, I think I think the pace of online activity it's just a serrating, you know, literally a story if it lasts a day, you're lucky, you know. Um weeks just merge into a month, a month merges into half a year, half a year just merges into another year. Uh um the to me the pace maybe because um is a serrating, just the volume of people selling online courses, whatever they're selling, the different voices it it, the, the volume seems to be ratcheting up. And then you've got all these automizations. Um, the individual that he's probably talking about, the, it probably wasn't even him that sent the email or manages the email list. It's probably a ver- assistant or virtual assistant. Who knows? Um, I, I think these things are a little bit embarrassing, though, when, <laughs> when you do... Uh, I think it was just the timing, wasn't it, John? You know, he unsubscribed. You know, this got this individual unsubscribed. I was going to be sexist. This I was going to say, "Hey, I apologise." Well, I stopped myself. Um, the individual, <laughs> and then uh, we get he gets a major email push for quite a large product. You know, um, I think it was just. But unfortunately, in this world of bolts and um, and funnels. You're gonna get more and more of that, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and then he and then he goes on, doesn't he? You go, he, he digs deeper, doesn't he? You, you know, kind of warms up. He gets a bit warmed up, and then he thinks, "Sorry, I'm just gonna go for it. <laughs> I'm just have a real rant." Uh, um, and then he talks the reciprocity, you know, and about you know if you're just doing it for the money. And I've always had mixed feelings because I I know where it comes from. Um, if you're, I think it's just the extreme, isn't it? If if you're solely, solely, solely doing something just for the money, you're probably, unless you get pretty quick success, you're lucky or you're really bright or you're bright and lucky. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit hard to, to unless you're to, you know desperate. Also, don't. Don't take uh, out that desperacity <laughs> makes you very um, looking for the right word. Um, you're not going to give up because you're just desperate. <laughs> so, uh, um, but normally, unless you, uh, uh, if you're just doing it for the money and you're not totally desperate, you, it's probably not, you're not going to be able to maintain the level of activity that will lead to success. You're probably going to have the. Um, you're probably going to be dazzled by some other prospect of making easy money. So you're just going to drop it and move on to the next thing. If you understand, John, um, I do. So, but on the other hand, you know, when, when is it time to bail out of something? When have you given it enough and you're actually just on a death march and you'd be better off looking at something else. It's a very difficult situation, isn't it? Um, but he was going on, so I do agree with him. But on the other hand, you know, um, you can't maintain a business unless you're making some money, can you? Um, you know, and we've had various conversations about WordPress because, we're, you know, some of the criticism of Matt um, about what we're going to see in the near future, I thought was unfair, actually, because um, I, I can totally see why. Um, why they're going this direction and why they had to. Where I do criticise Matt um, 
about is this underlying marketing message that he allowed that um, about WordPress being really easy and cheap. It's got a kind of cheapy. Because I've got to tell you, I've, I've had possible. I've had clients where I've pitched to or I've shown something we've done in WordPress to hire up people in the web design and they've said, oh, well, that's WordPress, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, what the hell do you mean? It works. It's good design. What do you mean it's just work? But it's got that connotation, hasn't it? Um, yeah, that's connotation, yeah. Um, that's what I criticised Matt about, that, 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 which... Yeah. I honestly don't know that that's going to improve in the next iteration, though. That connotation, I think that connotation is going. I don't know. We'll we'll see, though. I'll just wait and see. But that was my rant. On to the next story. Um, I, I reread this. I wasn't. I'm not even too sure if I should have put this in. Really, um, those internet trends. It's bad news if you're not Amazon. Basically, what about you, Sally? Do you want to start off with this one? Sure. I mean, the register is always, uh, uh, you know, good for a little uh, entertainment that, that, uh, you know, touch a British snark there. Um, But it's, you know, it's kind of talking about how the Internet Trends Report has has come out and they're focusing on um, basically, you know, advertising and and, uh, money and um, uh, shopping and and so on and and, uh, about how, you know, it says at the end, you know, if economic efficiencies and growth depend on data analysis and people withhold their data, where where do the efficiencies and, and growth uh, come from? And, you know, that that's a valuable question. I, I started skimming through the actual slides, which I would have done earlier, except, you know, those pesky clients and the end of the month and wrapping up to invoice. Uh, and, you know, there is some other stuff in there about, well, yeah. look, here we've got... Um, you know, growth in voice. We've got growth in different kinds of online video. We've got growth, you know, there are, there are lots of interesting things uh, happening. I mean, of course, you're going to get a plateau of certain things as, as the, they become more commonly used. And, and, you know, this is basically it's saying, well, you know, once you get to 50% you know, usage, the, the, it's, it's, it's harder to push for more growth after that. Uh, but there are still, you know, lots of things going on that are interesting to pay attention to if if you, you know, work in the arena of the uh, internet. And maybe they're, you know, not as uh, interesting to venture capitalists who want to make a, a quick buck. Um, but that's not the only, you know, that th- those are not the only people who have some interest in the internet or, you know, and it's not the only way to make money from it, although, you know, perhaps not money on that. Uh, scale, but I I, I find the, uh, the the registers logo uh, interesting in in light of the fact that my uh, <coughs> husband always insists that VC stands for vulture capitalist. Oh, well, there we go. What do you reckon, John? Well, I did read this. There's a couple things that I found like very interesting. Uh, <laughs> one is that Facebook's uh, market share, or that's next story actually, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to me like how venture capitals capitalists look at uh, the economy so much different than the uh regular person on the street. In the comments section here they're talking about uh one of the lines that stood out to me where it said uh Americans are spending more on health as a proportion of the household budget than ever. So, uh Meeker expects them to start acting like consumers and this is a good thing. Uh, it, it just shows, you know, kind of. Yeah, I had to wonder a little bit of, uh, about that because, as, you know, our, 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 I, I don't think uh, we are in at a point uh, in the economy where, you know, somehow uh, competition is going to push uh, healthcare prices down and, and all those other sort of nope. market, uh, uh, you know, su- supposed benefits of, of the market where, uh, you know, I mean, it, one does see it happen, right? They, they uh, enforced uh, competition in, um, you know, internet service providers in, in Europe, or at least in in Holland while my husband was there. And he was able to get 
um, you know, very high speed internet for much less than what we're paying Comcast uh, because, you know, no, no choice. But uh, yeah, I, Did I you have to swear as well, Sally. I, I know, I know. We're going to have to put it like you know. Out on this, we've had a lot of names that are so dear to me. Um, right, but uh, you know, I I think that. Uh, Sometimes you don't see that uh, that result. Uh, it was, you know, when I lived in England, it was not all that long after the privatization of the trains. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody seemed to think that the trains were better, uh, faster, cheaper, or or any of those things that supposedly were going to, be, to result from, you know, privatization and, and competition. Just think of, you know... Um Branston, you know, you know, interesting dude. But if you took a virgin train, <laughs> I'd rather go back to nationalisation. Uh, um, at least it was cheap and cheerful. But they didn't like you didn't have to take a, ba- a bank loan out just to go somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was cheap. Um, so you just roughed it. Uh, um, but there we go. Um, What can I I say about it? It was just, yeah, I thought that particular comment you pointed out, John, took my eye as well. I thought, what the hell is this guy on? You know, um, or she, I should say. I apologise. But also, um, also it's plateaued, um, like what you said, Sally, you know, but but also the mobile still has a bit of growth going. Um, a lot of that was driven in what is called the third world, whatever that is. Um, um, it was, you know, the big, like they say in the article, the biggest winner is Amazon, isn't it? Now they seem to have their tentacles in certain areas where the prospect and the, their capitalization is so enormous that they only have to suggest that they're, looking at a particular vertical and the competition in the stock market gets crunched, don't they? You know, like half their value gets wiped out in a couple of days. Amazon is coming. Oh, God, they're finished. Uh, um, but there we are. I think we're going to go for a break and we've got a few more stories. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back folks i've got a hardcore panel here we're breezing through these stories this is going to be a quick one you know the episode but i think an interesting one um i had the um this is i'm totally self-promoting myself here so uh but i do run the podcast so there we go uh um, I had the real pleasure of um, having an interview on Wednesday with Chris Brogan. It should have gone live uh, on iTunes this morning. Um, I've got to do the show notes, got to get that up today. Um, and I'm a bit of a fan of Chris. Uh, um, he, he's a plain speaker, he, uh, but he's a gentleman as well, a, a really class act, and I really enjoyed my interview with him. And he wrote a, a, a post that we actually discussed in the interview. Um, he was so, I think he was blown away that I actually asked him questions about stuff that he actually writes. <laughs> I think that's why he warmed to me. Uh, uh, yes, well, my God, you mean... Right, well, it's, it's uh, you know, one gets, especially if one is Chris Bergen, so many pitches saying, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I, I really love your blog. And then, you know, pitching something that has absolutely nothing to do with what you write about. Yeah, so he wrote a piece, it's time to rethink what people need to learn. And um, it was a typical Chris kind of article, wasn't it? You know, um, and he, like he, part of it said, you know, why would anybody learn HTML now? You know, the, you know that's, that's going to be a wasted activity um, pr- pretty soon. Um what did you think of the post, Sally? Did you have time to read it? I did. In I did. Your invoicing? 
Yeah, I did read it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it makes some uh, good points and also overlooks some things. One is that uh, high school classes, based on my experience uh, teaching university, um, high schools are absolutely glacial in changing any of their curriculum. If, if you are in academia and you're teaching undergraduates and you're keeping up with the latest research, you're likely to teach at least something that has to do with what's going on now, not like what was studied 25 years ago or, or 50 years ago. And, and it would like make me nuts sometimes the, uh, the, the sort of blatant misinformation uh, that was being passed on to students. And this was about classics, right? It's not a cutting edge uh, uh, technology. Um, now, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the other hand, yeah, you know, do we need to, to teach these things? It has always struck me as, um, you know, kind of pointless that especially if you, if you want kids to grow up to read, uh, to force them to read, you know, 19th century literature with no context and no, that, you know, it, it seems difficult and boring. And it's, you know, I mean, I've always read all those uh, books because I read really fast and they were assigned and I read them. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I mean, first, the best thing to do if you want people, to, kids to learn how to spell is to get them to read. You know, I was an amazing speller because I was a compulsive reader. Uh, you know, not because I spent a lot of time studying spelling. Um, and, you know, if you want them to read, you should give them something they could can relate to. I mean, you know, give them the, the, the things, because all of the sort of life lesson kind of stuff you can find in, you know, in graphic novels, even in, in comic books and, you know, popular fiction and, and, and that kind of, of stuff. And, uh, you know, and they'll actually like it and be interested in discussing it and then think about reading. And then, you know, when they go on to, to college, you can start introducing them to a cross-disciplinary notion of, well, this is what was happening in history when, when Mark Twain was writing and, and why this stuff is like that. And, you know, that, that, you, that you need more than, than can be provided in, in high school there. Um, the real challenge with teaching any technology is that technology changes so quickly. Uh, I didn't study computer science. I mean, you know, we had like a, a couple of math classes with a TRS-80 when I was in high school and, and in, uh, in college, I, I did, you know, humanities stuff. I, I started using a computer. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the basement of, of the uh, computer center uh, on the mainframe, uh, you know, getting online uh, starting in, in 1985, but I didn't take any any programming classes, but my friends who did study uh, computer science, uh, you know, I remember one of them saying uh, that, you know, they had, a, they had a programming class where they basically used an imaginary language because the idea was to teach you the principles it operated on, that the, the professor said, you know, the actual language you're going to be working in, by the time you graduate, it will be changed. Never mind, you know, by the time you go into the workforce, there, there will be um, uh, something different. And, and that did prove to be true. And, uh, you know, there are certain things that, that need to be done in, in any programming language, just as there are certain things that need to be done in every any human language. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be great to uh, teach kids about a, a lot of things that they don't get taught about. Uh, you know, let, let, let's talk about like, you know, personal finance management um, and, uh, you know, uh, why it's a bad idea to, you know, to, to put a lot of stuff on a credit card if you don't have the income to pay for it. Um, and uh, things like, yeah, if you want to get into, uh, uh, you know, apparently a lot of young people are like, I want to be an influencer. And yet they don't, you know, they really don't understand anything about uh, what's in, involved in that or, or, you know, how few people can actually make the living at it. There's all kinds of stuff that it would be better to teach kids than what we do, but I'm not envisioning it uh, getting into any high school curriculum uh, in the particularly near future just because of the way schools work and curriculums and bureaucracy and, and accreditization and, and all that kind of thing is that they are not likely to be able to, you know, to study that stuff in, in a 
that kind of environment until they uh, get to university where there is more flexibility uh, and, um, you know, that maybe there are uses to some analog things beyond what we, uh, uh, what we can think of in, t- in terms of how our brains work. Um, yeah, I, I kind of very, uh, before I throw it over to John, um, I um, very mixed feelings about the article. Um, that's why I asked Chris to kind of, you know, go into it a little bit more and see what his thoughts were for writing it. I think because his son has, has um, high, a high function, autism uh, also his own experience of higher education in the interview he mentioned that he did a degree and about a third through he thought i'm not learning anything here and um and then they said well we're we'll be flexible you can you can make your own degree and he thought well for 50 grand i, I think i'll pass on that <laughs> I think I can do better with my time and money. Um, I really don't think, we we really do live in interesting times. Um, Like I say to him, you know, the pressure to go to college for young people has never been more intense. Yet probably the fact, you know, just just as exercise to be able to get an interview for certain, you know, many jobs now, unless you've got a, you can put, tick to that box online you won't even get in the um the system won't allow your um, resume to even pass through um Uh, yeah it's a it's a winnowing out procedure of in cases where there are too many applicants and yet you know for a lot of uh, for a lot of jobs they have trouble finding uh, qualified uh, people and maybe that it's partly due to that System and the thing is, you know, you don't, you shouldn't go to university to get vocational training, right? You, you don't have to spend. I mean, you know, I have never, I don't know, once maybe I, I earned as much money in a year as as it costs to go to my alma mater. Um, I was really pleased that they finally managed to to um, set it up so that you know students can get financial aid that doesn't in, include loans because it's pretty darn hard to encourage somebody to to take on that level of 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 debt, but you, you know, you go there um, to learn the kinds of things that can be useful to you in pretty much any uh, circumstance and and situation and to learn how to uh, think critically and to have an opportunity to learn and discover in a way that you're not going to have an opportunity to do afterwards because, you know, you're going to be too busy um, pay, <clears throat> making a living to pay off those loans. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of value in it, but I don't think it. people should think it's, it's compulsory. I'm a bit, yeah, I totally I did stand your position, Sally, but I'm a little bit more critical of the whole thing. I've got to be truthful. Um, I think it's... I've got to be truthful about it. I think the whole thing's become a bit of a racket, really, quite truthful about it. Uh, um, I, I yeah. think the cost of education in America is appalling. And, and yeah, there is a, there's a lot of stuff wrong with it. And it's, you know, I really loved my undergraduate experience. But I would never say, oh, you have to go to, you know, you have to go to college no matter what. And you have to go to a, you know, a four-year college and you have to go to a, a, a fancy prestigious institution because, you know, maybe you don't. Maybe that's not right for you. Maybe, you know, you should uh, find some kind of uh, entrepreneurship uh, program. or. or well, funny enough, I mean, in some ways you shouldn't go to fancy. Um, oh, Malcolm, oh, God, always. Gladwell. Gladwell, he, in one of his books, he points out, especially if you're in a very hard science subject, going to prestigious Ivy League college, um, if you're from a, a, from a certain background, it's probably not a good decision. You'd be better off going to a middle-level university and you'll probably flourish. Um, on the other hand, um, when you were saying that, you know, like Stanford, um, there's the case of, what, oh, what was her name? The um, Oh, I'm really having a hard time this morning. She developed that bio, the blood testing 
Um, oh gosh, uh, the I can't remember her name either, but it's yeah, the thing that just turned out to be a complete fiasco. A, a fifteen-year Ponzi scheme. Right. Uh, um, um, uh, you know what was her name? Uh, um, oh, I can't re- look up on Google, Sally, as I'm I'm, I'm ranting. Well, um, she started at Stanford, and th- th- there's a recent book that's been published with the. Um, author that that broke the story in the New York Times about the reality of her company. Um, And he was being interviewed and he said, they were asking, how did she, because at one stage she she had like Henry Kissinger on her board board, and she had all these big name defense people on her board. And he was asked how, you know, and her parents weren't that well connected uh, um, and he was asked how did she manage it and she said he said well you've got to understand that the office of her company was you know like a quarter of a mile away from Stanford and she had been introduced to these people because she had been a student at Stanford and she had got engrossed with the Hoover Institute which is um, based at um, very well endowed institution um, with a lot of result, financial resources, and she got into that crowd. And she was a good talker and a good con artist, uh, um, and she knew how to peddle influence. What is her name, actually? I can't. Re- for some reason, I can't remember either her name or the name Theranos. Theranos, that was it. And uh, yeah, well, I think you know th- this is one of the, the the connections you make is supposed to be um, uh, <clears throat> Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. Uh, you can sue me, Elizabeth, but everything I've said is the truth, dear. It's all in public <laughs> record, right? But you know, I, I don't know. I somehow didn't get connected with any um, really amazingly, you know, rich people who who uh, helped uh, you know pay pave a path to millions. Of and in a way I went linked, to an Ivy League school. Yeah, I just wanted to interrupt. I apologize, Sally, but it's also linked to what John said about one of our previous stories in the first half. Because um, it just occurred to me, this reporter said, because she had a very deep voice in, when she was talking in public. She had a very unusual um, tone of voice for somebody from her background. And, and there's a female... And he said that was a put-on job. He said um, a couple of people who actually knew her, um, she would actually talk like that in the company. But there was a couple of occasions where she was taken by surprise <clears throat> and she revert back to her natural accent. So it's kind of linked to what you were saying, John, uh, about um, being authentic and you know being true to yourself a little bit. Sorry, Sally, what was he going to say? Uh, well, I, I, that bit uh, fascinates me because I'm not at all uh, surprised uh, because I remember coaching uh, actors that, you know, okay, you're playing, you know, a ferocious yeah. uh, <clears throat> creature. You, you, you cannot speak in this little girl voice. It, it, it's, and it, it's just an unfortunate fact of life is that we think deeper voices are more authoritative. But the um, I should have put it as one of the stories because, but it wasn't really. But it's actually because I've been uh, read the book or listened to the book. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember the time. I'm not doing very well today, listeners. I apologise. Um, but it's interesting stuff, though, isn't it? Um, where you know, um, where she really, to me, obviously, with any kind of startup. It's a startup. It can either work or it can totally fail. And everybody that gets involved in that sort of company, um, they, you know, they should be aware of what they're getting involved in. But where she really kind of crossed her line was seemingly um, there. She knew the technology really, really didn't work. They had pivot about three to four times, which is acceptable. But then she went to Walgreen and told them and got them to sign a, a very um, contract. And obviously, they must have been really eager to get in bed with her and her company because the, seemingly the contract they signed with her was awful. And for a company of that size to agree, normally it's always on their side. But it was a kind of Bill Gates, IBM moment. Like, I think, ever, I think 
they wanted her, seemingly her technology so much that they were prepared to sign something that which they would normally never sign with a company that size. So they got in bed with her and she knew that they had no technology solution at all in no shape well, or form. Yeah, I mean, however, you know, doing what she did that way is wrong, no matter whether you do it at a, a large scale or, or a small scale. I mean, you can find, you know, con artists on, on every level. She was able to con more people and that was probably because of her... Uh, connections, but I, I think we have, have strayed a little bit from the idea of uh, what should we teach in school, except possibly um, ethics, which takes us back to, to Morton, but yeah, that, that maybe uh, a, 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 a framework for, uh, for making decisions about whether something is, is the right thing uh, might be a, a good thing to be teaching. Oh, I've really got on a pedantic journey here. Thank you so much, Sally. Well, go on, John. Comment on my little journey here. Uh, um. Yeah, so we'll wrap it up. Like, let me just throw a couple lines out there before we go to the next article. Uh, I agree with some of the things that Chris said in his article, and I disagree with some of them. I do realize that the rise of public school correlated with the rise of the industrial revolution and the end of child labor. And so adults needed somewhere to dump their kids while they go to work in the factory. Plus you needed to train like, you know, kids so they could be, you know, workers in various. Education is still aimed at making people like good little worker bees. Oh yeah. We're teaching you come to school at this time and then you get to leave at this time, just like your job that you're going to have. Um, but I do agree with him. A lot of things are, have changed since then. The world has changed. Uh, social contracts have been broken. Different things have come up. I do think, here's where I disagree with him. He says, he gives an example like Moby Dick is 600 pages. You know, we could, instead of reading that book, we could, you know, have more bite-sized uh, forms of, you know, basically go watch the movie instead of reading the book. I disagree with that. I think it's important to, Especially now, I think in our world, like attention spans are so short that I think it's good to immerse yourself in a book and learn. I think it's good to learn how to spell words without relying on your computer to spell check. And I do, and I think it's important to learn HTML and not just rely on, you know, a drag and drop interface or a, you know, a page builder. I think these things still have value. I think they're still important because even though the digital world is progressing, it's important to uh, retain some of the analog things, you know, even cursive writing, because if, if we completely like let it go, they're going to disappear. And then the, you know, the interpretation of the digital forms is all that's going to be remaining. And that foundational knowledge will disappear. I do think it's important to understand the underlying foundational stuff. Um, But at the same time, I do agree with him that, the curriculum in schools is not meeting the needs of the digital world. And people do need to, to focus more on things like, you know, um, making a living in the 21st century, uh, you know, handling your finances, uh, you know, it, being prepared to, you know, make it in, in a digitally focused world. So I do agree with those things completely. So next story, yep. John. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to wrap it up, actually, because I'm oh, taking up so yeah, much time because I'm like ranting yeah, about it. Yeah, oh, no. oh, actually, the book is called, I think it's called Bad Blood. Actually, I'm going to make it one of the stories next week, actually. But it's sure. just, just how my mind works. But um, I just want to comment what you said. I think you were at much, that was much better than my rant, actually. You were <laughs> spot on, actually, both you and Sally. Um, um, I totally, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The final reason why I agree with what you said about Moby Dick is that you, you can read a book and a certain chapter or a certain character or even just a certain page can really affect you in a very different way than somebody else. You know, like watching a film or you know, a particular scene can be really important to you as an individual, but not be so important to somebody else and that's because Mm -hmm. of your type of personality your past life experiences and what you're going through at the moment can't it so um just summarizing a piece of art like what that right well not to mention the fact that that you know i 
<clears throat> the world does not necessarily deliver things to you in, in nicely condensed, bite-sized, uh, you know, at, and the moral of the story is dot, dot, uh, dot, dot, dot. At, at some point, you do have to learn to synthesize things from a lot of, you know, for, from a, a context that has all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, <clears throat> pulling you off in, in other directions and to <clears throat> make, some, uh, make some meaning out of it. And, you know, human life is, is not simply about uh, data. Yeah, great. Yep. Well, thank you, panel. Um, I apologize to the listeners. I, I, that last bit, I went on a bit of a rant. It's business time. I, I think if you've been regularly listening to this show, you uh, have got used to how my mind works, folks. Um, Sally, how can people get hold of you and learn more about what you're up to? You can find me at wpfangirl.com and you can find my meetup at eastbaywp.com and I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and uh, in most other places. And John, how can people find out more about your thoughts, what you're up to, what, you, what you're doing online? Well, you can go to my website, which is lockdownseo.com, and you can also uh, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search for, you know, Lockdown Design, Lockdown SEO. Uh, you'll find me there. We're publishing a couple times a week. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. How can people get a hold of you, Jonathan? Well, you can definitely comment on my website. <laughs> I'll put a nice plug-in for five frames on it. Uh, um, if you've got any comments about this show, any feedback, I'd love you to go um, to the website and leave me. Um, the show notes should be up in the next few days. Um, leave whatever remarks you want to. If you really want to help out, folks, and I would really personally appreciate it, is leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show. Um, for some reason, iTunes consider that one of the best ways for them to rate the show. And the reason why that helps is it enables me to get better guests, a bit like old Chris um, and have a jolly little interview um we'll see you next week folks thanks bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week